0: I want to welcome everybody to a new day, to a new day. And the Lord is so sweet to us every day that he uh, allows us to live as a new day. It's pretty amazing that he does that. And some, if we really do see the day as a new day, what happens is we begin to reframe our thoughts around the expectations that could happen. It's very different than, oh no, another day. But when this is a new day, All of a sudden we get to write out new expectations and we really get to see God move full force in our lives and invite him to. So I just wanna make sure that we have expectations clear because I've been reading through this book of Mark, the way of Jesus, and he has expectations. It's amazing. And his expectations often collide with others' expectations. And today we're gonna see a collision. All right. We just are. We looked at it uh, a few days ago. And again, just putting it in context, the Lord Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God, who lived on planet Earth for 30 to 33 years. So he, he spent that much time as being perfect God with a bunch of dysfunctional people. Is that cool or what? And let's put it into context. He's perfect. He's fully God. He's fully human. He's walking on our planet 30 plus years and we're completely dysfunctional and we're weighing in on what we think of him. If we can just see it that way. Then he took three years and he took us what I call his secondhand second chance here, his disciples. And he said, okay, now I'm going to really make you into something. But for that to happen, you've got to drop everything and follow me. Can you imagine that expectation that he just put on them? I need you to drop everything and follow me. And these 12 ragamuffins do it. So their expectation of just seeing something about Jesus compared to the dysfunctional planet that they live on said, I'm going his way. So we've been going through the book of Mark so that we can better understand the way of Jesus. So he walks with these guys three years and I just want you to know we're coming to the point now where he's going to go into the temple and he's going to teach. But before he did, remember last week he went and he cleansed the temple. So, Kind of put it in context, Sunday, this is the last week of his life, he does this thing called the triumphant entry. So he comes into town on a donkey. Yeah, and so that's kind of a weird expectation. Are you with me? Yeah. So the expectation is that I'm jumping in on the big stallion, and everybody, get out of the way. It's, no, I'm on, I'm on a donkey here. Can you see me? Yeah. Can you see a new life? That's what he's doing. So he comes in. The people catch it. I mean, they're throwing their clothes down and letting him walk on them. Then he goes in that night and he looks at the temple and he goes, it's a mess. I'll come back and deal with it tomorrow. On Monday, he comes and he cleans or cleanses the temple. He overhauls it. And so what he's doing is he's saying, I need to remove some stuff that's going to mess up my teaching. Because if we're not in the right frame of mind, if our expectations aren't right and he's sharing his, they won't land. So he's coming into the temple and he said, I want to move away these things that would keep you from having the proper expectations of what it means to walk with God as the way. I'm just going to clean house. So I started thinking, Lord, uh, I'm wondering what your expectations are of me when you walk into my house. Isn't that a weird thought? Like, what is his expectation? So when I invite him in or when I come to his house, have I ever done an expectation check? What am I really thinking? And I loved it because we didn't coordinate what we were uh, talking about any more than Liz and Haley coordinated their <laughs> outfits. I mean, but look at it. Bam, it just worked. And the expectations that Jesus have for us, is that when we walk away after an encounter with him, that we would never be the same again. It's just that simple, friends. Anything less than that is less. That's not his expectations. So can you hear me say his expectation for each and every one of us this very day, right here in this spot, right now, is to have an encounter with him that's so meaningful that we walk away never to be the same again. Am I in the right house? So he walked into the temple. Monday, he cleaned it. Tuesday, he walks in and he says, okay, now we're going to do some expectation level setting. Let's go. Now, I just want to warn you, this could have been the most amazing day of teaching in all of recorded history, but it gets sidetracked by improper expectations. Isn't that weird? And so the scribes, the elders, the chief priests, they see him coming in, and they come in on the scene and they change his opportunity to speak freely. It's fascinating. That's what we're going to see today. What we're going to see is how do we write that ship so that we can get back to hearing from him so that he can speak his expectations into our life, even if we're not where we need to be. So I just want to show you how expectations work. If we can put up the slide, please, number one. And I'm just calling this the way of Jesus uh, And my expectations for a meaningful connection, right? So Jesus has his expectations. His expectations are that we would never leave the same after meeting him, right? What are our expectations? So if he's meeting us and he says, Morty, I want your life to be different. I'm either against that or for that. Come on. I'm sorry, Jesus. You know, I really love what you're saying. It's all good stuff. And I'll consider it, you know, I'll, I'll take that upon a later time to ponder more deeply. It's just so weird that we could get that. And so we, are, we can say, no, I'm not there. Sometimes we're indifferent, just like what I said. And we're doing like a cost-benefit analysis and not seeing it being that significant or not willing to pay the price to make that change that he would want for us, isn't it? Or you can be with him. And to be with him is to be alongside of him. And this is where we go wrong. Sometimes we have expectations and we start painting out our picture of godliness and holiness. So we said, we're going to act really well. We're going to be the perfect behavior machines. That's not what he's looking for. His expectation is that we will walk alongside with him. That's what he's looking for. Will you walk with me? Will you allow me to enter into your everyday life so we can make something out of it? That's what he did with the 12. And I promise you, friends, if you read the book of Mark all the way through, that's what he's doing with each and every one of us as well. That's how he works. So today, Jesus is inviting us, inviting us to walk with him. And we get to walk the way of Jesus, and we've seen it in the book, and now we want it in our lives. That's the proper expectation. I want to bring a little curry because I felt really good about this, and I felt like the Lord said, now just take it one step further. So I want to do that today. He's coming back. He is coming back. And he's not indifferent about coming back. He's driven to wait out of this great love for each and every person he's created. He's full in, if you put him on the scale, I'm telling you, he's alongside. He is ready to return. But it's his desire that no one would perish, not one, that everybody would come to repentance. And so he's waiting for us, for you and me, to do our job to see other people walk alongside him. That's the theory, right? So that's the expectation. And I looked at him and said, okay, I get that. Then I felt like the Lord said, and there's something that I want in you and my people. I want them to be overcomers. Look at this. If you're against him, uh, you're, you're going to lose. You can, you can say, I disagree all you want. That's great. At least you're looking to disagree, right? You're engaged. Literally, he says in scripture, I wish that you were not lukewarm, that you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I spit you out of my mouth. Indifference is the worst thing on the scale. It's not being against them. If you're against them, at least you're engaged. It's being indifferent and disengaged that causes his body to be weak and anemic But what he's calling us to is to overcome i promise it just look in the book of revelation he speaks to the seven churches the first one he speaks to is ephesus and he says hey ephesus you've lost your first love thank you john for seeing that and feeling that in your spirit and even praying it this morning before we came here and then he said to them but i have made you to overcome you look at every church he speaks to every seven churches many say that we're in the Church of Laodicea or the last church, you go to the seventh one. He says the same thing to them. Hey, brush off all the surface level stuff, quit playing around and become the overcomer I've called you to. I need you to. So every church, he said, I want you to overcome. The beauty of this is it's not just walking alongside of them and getting beaten up every day of our life. It's walking alongside of them so that we get guns. Yeah. <laughs> so that we can overcome and call others to overcome by the testimony of our lives. And so sometimes I look at if we get our expectations right, and and I I teach throughout the United States, Canada, and even some beyond. I do this for work. And when we do it, we come in with the leadership, and we'll say to them, can you help me understand where you're at right now? So I do an assessment, an internal assessment of it. Where are you? And then I reveal those, that data point to them. I say, now, where would you like to be? They're usually not where they like to be. They have higher expectations in the way that they're functioning. They want to be at a higher place. So then we look at it and we say, okay, we can map out the strategies necessary to get you from here to there, but you, are you willing to pay the price to do it? Mm -hmm. To build that kind of a team it's going to take work, right? So that's the, that's the discussion and that's what we enter into. And then I've learned that I can't just ask them, are you willing to pay the price? Because that, then we start going in our mind, is it really worth it? So now I've asked them a little different question. I wanna ask you the same question this morning. Would you be willing not to pay the price to be an overcomer? What's that gonna cost us? If we can't overcome and we know it's getting worse. And so, hey, indifference, you're, you're gone. I'm going to fight a little bit. I don't want to pay that price. That's a sacrifice. That's hard. I'm jumping into that. Sometimes I'm against what he's really asking me to do. I'm telling you, I don't know how to map it out for your life, but I'm telling you, I don't want to be here. I want to be there. I'm looking to be an overcomer because he's equipping me to, and if I walk alongside him, he will. And then he even says, don't worry. You won't have to put anything down that I won't replace. Don't don't worry, we've got this. And so that's the beauty of the expectations that he has of, of us. I'm, a, I'm aware that when we are against him or we think we're against him, we're really fighting through our own objections because we want him. Usually you don't fight or argue or whatever unless you're really kind of interested. And so when people object, I'm like, hey, I'm glad they're objecting. Would you tell me your objections? The more I can hear, the more I can understand, right? I'd love to hear why it is that you're having a hard time following Christ because, quite frankly, it's hard for me too, right? And so we enter into that conversation. I'm suggesting to you, friends, that from my vantage point in the last couple of years of working with leaders across the United States, that there's a lot of people who are checking out. They're, they're, they and a lot of us are on a path of sort of indifference. We're just trying to plot our way through. And then we have varying levels of hope that we try to bring. Varying levels of hope and plotting through is not overcoming. Yeah. He's calling us to overcome. So we need to have these right strategies. We need to lean into them. And we need to say, we're all in with you, Lord. We're going to be an overcomer, even if it kills me. And oh, by the way, you said it would. And so whatever's in my life that's going to keep me from being an overcomer, would you remove, just like you went in the temple and you still cut out all the stuff. I, wanted, I invited him. I said, Lord, would you come in and where do you want to begin? And I really believe he said, with your electronics. I thought. And he said, you know, like, hey, Marty, what do you watch? What kind of movies and tv stuff are you watching i, I started slumping down a little bit uh, and your website why'd you go on those outlets and i'm slinging and thinking i don't know that was a... and you call that entertainment and then it was just like this is going nowhere you play these games and that games mm, what could you be doing with your life and time it was like oh my god he's really god right so then I got through that, and then I felt like, oh, okay, well, thank you, Lord. And then he said, you know, and now let's talk about the way you talk. And I thought, no, I'm, well, you know what? Uh, hey, this cleaning house stuff this is getting personal, Lord. Yeah. And he said, I'd, I'd like to talk to you about the way you you speak to people. That condescending voice that sometimes you get, the looks that you feel. And man, I thought, okay, Lord, I get it. And then these, and your social media, let's talk about that while we're at it. How are you feeling about those posts? And, and I just started thinking, wow, you're, you're like going for it. He said, I'd like to take out anything that would be detrimental to you becoming an overcomer. Yeah. So I'm inviting you today to walk on my journey with me by asking you to be on your own journey and say, "Lord Jesus, if it's not going to bring value to you, then why am I valuing it? But let's be that kind of people. That's good expectations, right? So that's happening. He's going to come in. This is going to be a great day of teaching. He's going to share his expectations, and then, bam, in come the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes, and they sabotage the moment. Are you ready to go with me in the Word of God? Mark 11, 27 through 33. They came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priest and the scribes and the elders came to him and began saying to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you authority to do these things? And Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question, and you answer me. Friends, this is, this is great. This is accurate. Please hear what I'm saying. Jesus said this, I will ask you one question. And you answer me. Can you hear that? Mm -hmm. And then I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from men? Answer me. Man, I don't think Jesus wanted to get undermined that day. Mm -hmm. He wanted to teach, he wanted to preach, he wanted to share. He got the house ready to hear the word of God, and he comes in. And the leadership is working against him, trying to stifle the very word from Jesus. Can you imagine what it's like for Jesus to walk in that temple? The very temple that was erected to worship him. And now he's walking to the temple, that same temple, and they're trying to kill him. Can we just keep it accurate? This was the temple where mankind said, we will worship you. We will sacrifice to you. We will give you our hearts. And he comes in and they're actually saying, we want to trick you. We want to kill you. And he's looking at it and he's saying, this was... This was an opportunity to do something completely different. And I'm trying to help you see that instead of loving the poor, you're taking money from them. Instead of making plans to elevate people and love them the way that I do and praying to me in secret, you're making deals in the shadows. This is supposed to be a house of prayer. We're supposed to get somewhere. So why is it going this way? Answer me. And he knew it It is because you've made it about man. You haven't made it about God. Was the baptism of John from God or from man? If it's from God, we go with it. If it's from man, you question it. They began reasoning among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he'll say, then why did you not believe him? But shall we say from men, they were afraid of the people. For everyone considered John, to have been a real prophet. Answering Jesus, they said, we do not know. They just lie. We don't know. And Jesus said to them, nor will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Because if you don't care about truth, there's no authority. This isn't speculation stuff. This is the way stuff really works. Either John was from God, and he was radical, and you didn't receive him, so he went to the wilderness, and everybody went there. Come on. And so it's a further degradation of the temple, of the whole process. And so Jesus is probably thinking it'd be great to get some people who will tell the truth for a chance. So I want to look at this and acknowledge in this passage, he said, they came to him, they went with him. I want to deal with two days today because I think we're all one of the two days. The first day, let's say it is the religious leaders. And so they came to him saying, and so they're saying by asking a question. So we already know that they're posing a question in the way of an accusation. They have no desire to learn from the Jesus. Jesus came to teach, to change, to set new expectations. That's why he came. They came with no desire except to try to accuse him, get him to blaspheme so they could get him out of their place instead of putting him in his proper place, which was at the head of the temple. That's, that's the way it was really going. So that's why he calls them on it. And so the they here is they're unable to move beyond their own religious expectations to be able to walk in the way of Christ. And so they're gonna attack him, they're gonna accuse him, they're gonna put him in his place. And so I I look at it and think, wow, um, they missed that one. They just missed it. And I think we miss it too. I think sometimes I'm the they. And they were retaliating. They were mad because of what he had done the day before. And maybe not just the, the day before of cleansing the temple, but they were mad because he had the audacity to heal the sick, to forgive sins, right? Yeah. He, he was doing this stuff and sometimes he was even doing it on the Sabbath day. And so they, they were not uh, enamored with the Lord. And so that that enters into their inability to understand his expectations because of the fact that their own hearts were wrong. So I look at myself, sometimes I say, "Word, how's my heart doing today? And what I feel like the word was telling me it's, it's direct ratio in the way that you see other people. So if I see other people as deserving of God's love, then my heart's probably right. If I see other people through the eyes of judgmentalism, then my heart is not right. And so the Lord has to remove things in my life that caused me to be judgmental. And when that gets dealt with, now my expectations will open up and I'll actually say, wow, I've got friends in my life. And they may not look like me. They may not act like me. And, you know, it kind of hurt my feelings. You know, Mark, Patty, like, do I not look 27 to you? I didn't get an invitation for those sandwiches. No, no sandwich invitation to their house get a little silver in your hair, man, you're out, you're kicked to the curb. That's how it works around here. That's a 15 older party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that probably even won't make the 50 party. It's like, so, so the thing is that when we're judgmental, what we're actually doing is keeping people out of our lives when Jesus is going into the lives of people. I can remember very clearly, and the Lord brought this up to my memory, that I walked into a church when I was a young man, just in a college trying to figure this Jesus stuff out. And this guy comes into the church, uh, in sandals and a robe and long hair and a beard, like dial up Jesus looking guy. And I just, man, I just gave him a look like, what is wrong with you? I, I gave him that look and just said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I gave him that look, the guy's trying to be like Jesus and I'm, and I'm giving that to him. And I just realized that in my own life, there's that judgmentalism. It just creeps in, but that gentleman could have been an amazing gift to me in the kingdom. And Who knows what could have come from that? Jesus came in to teach these leaders what it means to lead. And they lost the opportunity because they made accusations of judgmentalism instead. Thank you, Redeemed Church. I love our church. I love we're old and young, and we're rich and poor, and we're male and female, black and white, and this and that, and it's a good thing. Come on. Come on. I do it. I clap for that. When you're getting close to every tribe, every tongue, every nation, you're in the right place, friends. You really are. So I love that. But we don't want to miss an opportunity to receive learning from people who are different than us. We need that. And so that's what was happening. They, that day, being the they, the religious leaders, lost an opportunity to learn because they were judgmental and thought, and thought they knew better. The day that we think we know better than God, not a good day. There's another day. And this is the day of the disciples. It said at the very beginning that, that they went into the temple, right? So Jesus, this is interesting to me. Because if I'm Jesus, I'm thinking, are these guys really three years? Are they ready to go into this, this last week? It's going to get intense. It's going to get very intense in here. And he brings them. I guarantee you they didn't feel ready. Nobody feels ready for that, okay? I mean, the evidence is when it got a little bit harder, they all fled, right? They weren't ready, but he, he knew that they could handle it. He knew that they needed to see it. He knew that they needed to be with him along the way. And so that's what he knows for us, too. So I want us to understand that sometimes that we as believers and we're following Jesus, we're thinking he would never take me there. That's a lion's den. He would take me. That's a snake pit. That's Kmart for me. And I, you put me in a big old store. There's only three Kmarts left in the world. There's only three left. And it's like, I'm. yay, good job. Have you ever, those Kmart's are like overwhelming of stuff. And it's not well organized. And it's like, man, I'd go in there. It's just like, I couldn't do it. Marcy's out. Like, okay, just stay in the car. It's not worth bringing you in. It really wasn't. But anyway, like, Jesus is willing to take his folks anywhere because he's looking for everyone. So he, he's, I've, I've set you up for this. It's going to be hard. Let's go. You ready, team? Come on, and they go. And I just want to be that person that says to Jesus, Let's go. Let's go. I'm putting my judgmental weird stuff down, putting all that aside. I'm ready to love folks. Let's go. So that's what he does. And so I just want to recognize that if you want to learn, you're in a good place. And Jesus will set you up to learn. And we will learn from young and old, right? We'll learn from each person. That's how it really works. That wasn't the problem. The they is not the problem, because here's the beauty of it. It says that they went with Jesus into the temple. That's the disciples' they. The other they came to him. Whenever anyone's willing to come to Jesus, they will be given a second chance, an opportunity to learn, to be loved. It's an invitation to interact with the Most High God. They saw him. They could have said, you know, this isn't worth the battle. They went. They came to him, and he fully flipped their plan. Remember, their plan was to accuse him of blasphemy to kill him. That was their plan. He flips the plan right on him and says, okay, I need you to answer the real question from God or man. Can I get you thinking like God? If you can have God thoughts, we can get somewhere. Let's learn together, an invitation to learn. And I appreciate that. And then he's going to go and he, he's listened to their concerns. And I just want us to hear those concerns again, is that they say, by what authority have you done these things? So there's a coin with two sides on it here, friends, if we're going to understand this passage on one side is authority, which we're going to get to in a moment, by whose authority, by what authority. All right. So it's an authority thing. In other words, it's like this, we're in charge. We're the old guard. Nothing new comes through here except through us. That's one side of the chain. Can you hear that? Who gave you this authority? Hey, last I checked, I'm in charge. So hey, you, you Jesus God, who gave you this authority? That's, that's part of it. The other thing was these things. In both sentences, both questions that they give them, they say these things. And they were referring, quite frankly, to the cleansing of the temple the day before. And some of the other teaching, you know, of course, led to that. So they're saying, what right do you have to teach these things? And I think these things, friends, was the real problem. It was these things that messed up the religious leaders. Because we don't feel good about the things we're doing, (laughs) so we attack other people for doing things. Are you kidding me? Jesus was healing the sick. Jesus was casting out the demonic, breaking years and years of deception in people's lives. Jesus even raised some people from the dead, and they're going, why, what authority can you do these things? You might do those things out there, but you're not doing those things in here. Last I checked, this was the temple. Isn't that crazy? So they're on projection of guilt for not doing the things they put on Christ and blame him for actually doing it. Yeah. It's no different than, and my my poor wife, she doesn't even like to watch football with me because like, man, I'm yelling at that quarterback. I just am. And, and, so and then finally, it's, you know, Marcy said, do you really think you could do better than him? I like, well, you know, I'm five foot eleven. Russell, man, I could, Russell could have learned from me. I'm the same height, man. But we aren't your quarterback because we're not in the game. If you're in the game, you don't act that way. If you're out there getting hit and kicked, and, man, it's hard. You're not going to be perfect. What we're supposed to do as spectators is cheer the people on who are actually playing the game. And we need to be in the game. The game of overcoming, the game of reaching people, the game of doing the things that Christ asks us to do with authority. So, I just wanted to point out these things, if you don't mind. So, if you will look at uh, um, backwards a uh, message that was preached uh, previously, it's because we're going through the book of Mark, in Mark 6 7 uh, through 13, it says this it says, and he summoned the 12 and began to send them out in pairs and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He instructed them, and they went out and preached that men should repent. And they were casting out many demons and were anointing with oil many sick people and healing them. So Jesus said, I'm giving you authority. These are the things. If you do this things, you have authority. If you're not doing these things, then whose authority are you under? Right? So, we can all, I can can hear the click, 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 click going on here, right? So, if those are the things, and those are the things that he was being attacked for by the religious leaders, can I tell you that these things have not changed to this very day? The things that his followers do with authority is to proclaim the good news that Jesus Christ loves us. Number two, we break the strongholds of deception. And if you don't think you're deceived, you're already more deceived than you even think. There's evil out there. There's good. There's evil. There's heaven. There's hell. Come on. There's right. There's wrong. And somebody needs to be able to tell the truth and love. This is real. And we don't want that which is resisting the enemy. I mean, Jesus as the enemy to prevail. Overcomers don't lose. Overcomers stand their ground. And so it was time to just stand your ground and tell you the truth. And you know what? Uh, I'm so good at praying for uh, people that are dealing with deception or evil because I've been deceived. In fact, I often say this, Lord, would you help me see beyond my current level of deception? Because come on, I'm human, right? We're all human. So we all have a current level of deception, and God's wanting us to be able to see beyond that. He's willing to look into our eyes, he's willing to come in, clean the temple, remove the stuff that causes us to see things incorrectly. In my own life, this is so clear by the way I see things physically. We had agreed to paint my house about 10 years ago and I, I wanted to paint it green, we talked about, okay. So we said, we agreed somewhere between sage and slate. And so when I saw Jordan Haley's outfit, I thought, yeah, that, that's, I think that's the sagey slate color I was looking for. So I painted that color one whole side of the house and then my wife came home, and she goes, really, mint green? And I'm looking at it, and I go, that's not mint green. That's somewhere between sage and slate. And then the rest of the family, no, that, that's mint green. That's like, it was like the Seahawks fluorescent green color. I was feeling good about it, too. I got a deal on that paint for some reason. But the reality is we've learned that uh, with certain colors, like the blues, the uh, blues. And the reds, I don't see them correctly. I, like, I don't, like the way I sing. I just don't hear things correctly. <laughs> so if, you, if you're going to lose with this tone problem, let this color sing and just go loud. Loud colors, loud, you're on. But can you imagine if the Lord would just touch my eyes so that I could see things the way they really are? Right? Because that's what he wants to do. He wants to touch our hearts so that we can see things the way they really are. The enemy is trying to disguise what he really wants for us by settling for us. That's just real. That's how it works. We need to live above it and overcome. So these are the things that he does. And then if we would just anoint people who want to be prayed for. If we'd say, we want to pray for you. And if we break out some cool olive oil or whatever. I have oily skin, so sometimes I don't have olive oil. I just take my forehead like this. (laughs) Why are you laughing? I'm being vulnerable up here. I'm serious. If you don't have that cool little jar of oil. I'm Baptist, people. you got to get me some slack here. But anyway, I would, do, I would because I want to I wanna pray. I want to see people well. I want to see them overcome. That's the heart that the Lord's trying to bring to us. They, if they're made well, then they're made well. If they're not, I'm still praying. Because he said, anoint and pray. That's my responsibility. That is these things. When we're doing these things, I'm so appreciative of the work of the Lord in our inner man, in our inner heart, in our inner person. Because that's where the real stuff happens. That's where we change. That's where we're actually walking on the way with him. So if we're not doing these things, then let's just Acknowledge that um, It's not an authority problem It's not a problem It's just our unwillingness To do what he's told us to do Am I in the right house? So now I'd like to Acknowledge that sometimes This is the way my mind goes Wait a minute, wait a minute Those things were for the apostles He sent the twelve out to do those things That's how my mind works I thought, ooh, escape card but then I thought, well, wait a minute, that's probably not accurate. Because after he sent the 12, he sent out the 70, and it says his followers. So I just want to show you again, it's, it's Luke 10:1. So you, there's no escape clause, friends. Aren't you glad you came to church today? It says, after sending out the 12 and having them come back to do these three things, it says, now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others. And he sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. You want Jesus to show up? Let's start doing these things. Do these things. He's coming to town. That's how it works. But if I'm waiting for Peter and Paul and the dead people to do it, it ain't going to happen. Look, Lord, I understand there's a great commission. The great commission is still on. You said, even to the end of the age, so I can't say the Great Commission stopped when the twelve died. He didn't just send out the twelve; he sent out his followers as he sent out the twelve until the end of the age. And Lois is with them always. That's how it really works. And so, just like the Great Commission's for everybody, did you know the Great Commandments for everybody? To love the Lord. This is everybody's stuff. This isn't them. They, it's here. So I'm so glad to could be able to do things that really mattered, aren't you? My expectations are that today I'm going to do something that really matters and the Lord is going to fuel it and do his part. So here's the conclusion. It's interesting that Jesus does this. One question. So I have one question of you. Was it from John or was it from Matt? I think if we would answer that question today, Every one of us will walk out here different people, which was my expectation and hope from the beginning. God's at work. God's making us new. God's turning us into ragamuffins to overtaking, overcoming ragamuffins. He says, not only will you overcome, you will overtake. You're going to be on the move. You're not just being moved. You're going to be on the move. And I'm appreciative of that about him. So I say it like this, if we'll just look at sl- the last slide, and this is, this is where it gets uh, very clear to me, is that God is real. Is it God or is it man? God's real. Everybody knows he's real. If you're just honest, you go back, and if you're fighting that he's not, you're in that step number one, which is really admitting that you have some objections that you're trying to let him win. Because we all know that there had to be a beginning point, and the beginning is Him. We know it. We know that we have 40 trillion cells in our body that all talk to each other. We all know that we can have so much wired in this as family that two very different timing people get the same clothes and show up on them. It's all this stuff is just God at work pre coding it, pre wiring it. He's forever, and we're of His forever substance. When we die, we will walk into a closer understanding of the forever nature of God. Number two is that we all know he loves us. We know everything he does is out of love. Choice, him giving us choice is the most loving thing he could ever have done because it allows us to choose him. So we get to bring something to the party. I'm choosing you, God. I'm choosing to love you. I'm choosing to receive your love. I will not reject you. I will receive you instead. I open up my heart to receive who you are. I want to walk with you. I want to be changed by you. I want to bring you joy. And then the number three is that he, he forgives us. He just loves to forgive us. So therefore, we get to Forgive other people. When we're good at forgiving other people, we're getting real close, aren't we? Because we're overcoming accusations, we're overcoming hurts, we're overcoming pains, and we're meeting it with forgiveness instead. That's the way of Jesus. So this is our journey. I thank you so much, friends, and folks, that I uh, I don't have to walk this journey alone because I'm just telling you it's hard. For I tried to give my wife a present and uh paid to have some people come in and clean the house for six months so she wouldn't have to that was the christmas present she's like no i don't think i want to so she was wrestling with it and and then we never did it and then finally got somebody to come over and to do it and they're going to come on let's say saturday i see her friday cleaning the bathrooms I'm going, I, you know, and you know, I'm a money person, I'm a little bit in here. But we're paying these people to come in, and you're cleaning, you're doing the hardest, worst part. And my wife says, I know that's why I'm doing it. Can I just tell you? I mean, that's why I'm married to her, because that's who she is. Can I tell you that Jesus wants to do the hardest part, the hardest work? He'll clean our stuff up. He knows this this hard thing right. He's one to come in and clean house so that when he walks into the temple, we're ready to learn. We're ready to grow. We're ready to overcome. We're in the right house. I bless you in the name of Jesus.